Welcome to episode 18 of your favorite podcast called Oh God, It Hurts. Oh God, It Hurts! <laughs> this is your co-host, Game Agent E.T., along with Six Button Samurai. Hey. Coming at you. Yeah. <laughs> An ocean That's between also- us. <laughs> An ocean between us, but... Still the closest of friends. It's true. What what were you going to say? I just want to say, like, telling people this is their favorite podcast. (laughs) I'm just just exaggerating a little. I feel those are bold words. I hope. I I pray that this is your favorite. I'm begging you. (laughs) I participate in this podcast on a regular basis. And I don't even know if it's my favorite. But... You know, yeah. I'm a. You know, you should you should strive for humility. <laughs> oh, well, I, I I thought you know being bold and brash would bring the view, the the listeners, but yeah. it's true. Yeah. I, you got to have wacky thumbnails, yeah, that show you reacting violently to things. Of course, got to have that. You know, that lots that, of uh, emotion. You got to have that Twitter of, presence. Uh huh. Yeah. Twitter, YouTube, you know, definitely all the things. I'm hip. I'm cool. What's going on, good sir? How you doing? Uh things are interesting at the moment. Um, I've been working a new job for about four weeks now. And things are beginning to take much more interesting shape. Like there's always that very awkward period when you start a new job. And yeah, of course, adjustment period. You know, you're just like you're kind of laying things out in your workspace the way you like them, or figuring out how best to do them. Um, you know, I've also had like a blizzard of one-on-one meetings with a variety of people in the company, just trying to like pick up on you know all the different things that go on and so it's a little bit strange it's a little bit like going to a brand new school you know um but it's all right man how are you doing oh kind of uh trying to adjust to my schedule it's been really hectic uh Mm -hmm. as you know in the past couple episodes i've been saying how I haven't really been playing as many games as I'd like to. Right. And uh still got another month or so to go until I hit my summer vacation. And then maybe, just maybe, I'll have some free time to play a few games here and there. Excellent. But um, right now, it's the start of monsoon season here in Japan. So we're yep. seeing a lot of rain. Starting to get a little bit humid. It's not as hot. It's funny because everyone keeps telling me man it's really hot uh a lot of people in japan and i'm like (laughs) i'm from arizona (laughs) i laugh at this (laughs) you can't hurt me with this it's like 80 degrees or something and we're saying it's hot (laughs) but it's uh yeah it's a little humid but geez i can still wear a jacket if i wanted to in fact i still do sometimes because mosquitoes are well, no, not style. It's because of mosquitoes. 
it's a convenience thing it's not the most fun thing to do is sweat a little but at least i'm not getting stung 50 times by the same mosquito in the teacher's office at my school it's true but yeah you don't want that that's all that's going on right on but i'll tell you what's going on what's yeah. going on is the water cooler all right and boy oh boy we've had a couple of hard hitters come out recently um mm-hmm. and i'm talking about beat-em-ups the biggest one, of course, is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Mm-hmm. That just came out recently. Yes. Both uh, myself and the Six Button Samurai have been playing it. Yep. And have you been enjoying gonna, it? I, I absolutely have. Um, mm-hmm. I have a lot of thoughts on it, and I know you have a lot of thoughts on it. I do. Um, that's obviously the news du jour, but we're going to go pretty hard on that when we get into now playing so we're acknowledging that it dropped and then uh you know we're gonna tick through the rest of the news tidbits definitely um but as i mentioned before another uh hard-hitting beat-em-up a newcomer called final vendetta was just released as well and it's looking pretty impressive i mean it kind of looks like a an old neo geo game yeah it looks like the beat 'em up action is looking pretty interesting, and it's been getting pretty good uh, vibes from everyone. A lot of people that are trying it, they're liking it. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it, James? Final Vendetta. I've I've seen videos of it coming for a while now. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of different uh, gaming folks who do different things that we enjoy, like. Folks from Digital Foundry. Um, I think Matt McMuscles was also involved with Final Vendetta. Like, oh, I didn't some know that. Interesting talent that's connected with this project. And in looking at the screenshots, like, yes, it's definitely got like much more of that Neo Geo color palette happening. Um, it's far more like a like a true blue sort of '90s chunky, you know fighting out in the streets sort of beat them up so um i'm anxious to get my hands on it because i think that'll be like a really interesting sort of contrast and compare thing because tmnt you know it's got a real specific pedigree um and those game those older arcade titles and subsequent home ports by konami are definitely you know hugely beloved things but you yeah. know, Final Vendetta sort of, it feels a little bit more like it's the thing, it's a game made for people that never really stopped playing beat-em-ups. So that's kind of an exciting thing to think about. But, you know, definitely excited to talk more about Turtles after this. Yeah, but Final <laughs> Vendetta, definitely um, something that, something new to wet your whistle with. Um, yep. And... I wish I could get it, but it's not out on the Japanese eShop. So I may have to either get some credits for the North American eShop or look into buying the physical version of this game. Right. And I might. Uh, we'll see what happens, but I'm definitely interested. Anything is better than the takeover. <laughs> <laughs> 
If you uh, listen to uh, one of our previous podcasts with me talking about that, oh my god, it's the it's the beat 'em up with the uh, dynamite hidden in trash cans when you're thinking, oh, I got a juicy chicken. No, you get blown up. Ouch. <laughs> that game is so so frustrating and so dumb. I don't Ouch. recommend that game. But yeah, if you like pain. Taking a dump on it from up high. Yeah. <laughs> you want physical and mental pain. Yeah. And I'm not talking about giving it. I'm talking about receiving it. Go play the takeover. Wowzers. <laughs> yeah. Duly hot noted. take. Hot take. <laughs> All right. But yeah, two great beat em ups that we'll talk about more, hopefully. Uh, one of them, hopefully, in the future. Final Vendetta. Mm-hmm. But, anyways, um, uh, let's progress to the not e3 announcements uh since it's been a while since our last uh proper episode because we had a shoot 'em up special that we recorded recently mm-hmm. and uh well as we all know e3 is taking a second year of hiatus so mm-hmm. us uh video game orphans need uh some sort of channel to kind of excite us for the upcoming months what to look for for video gaming and uh we had a lot of a scatterment of uh game shows should i say summer game announcements should we just call them sgas now instead of e3 not e3 announcements i don't even know what they're (laughs) called anymore i know like it just it's it's, like there's all this tradition being honored in the form of like dropping this sort of thing at this time of year but like I don't know. It's very strange without like the actual central event driving it. Isn't it? But it's I would It's just... weird. I mean, I don't I, I'm definitely not somebody that like, you know, you and I actually went to our share of E3s together. Yes, we and, have. you know, had a lot of great memories of that show and hanging out with a lot of people we love, but at the same time it's like if you've been to enough of them, you've kind of been to all of them. So that, yeah, but a I don't lot know. of like people miss it though. <laughs> I yeah, and especially people in the industry because it was like the time and place to meet people right. from the industry and chat again and catch up. Yeah, and for gamers, like we've been saying, it was that central hub of news that we can all enjoy all in one sitting right. but right now it's like we're going through this big uh, i guess month and a half of sometimes it's scheduled sometimes it's not scheduled announcements from here and there and it's kind of keeping our heads spinning and it's kind of yeah. cool but kind of disorienting at the same time you just kind of wish could get everything just in one lump sum again I don't yeah know. every company That's... just kind of pops off whenever they want to now and it's yeah a bit, it's a little odd but yeah in terms gonna... of looking at these naughty three announcements yes. um i'm prepared to um eat a big bucket of uh humble pie because um why well when you and i first discussed the initial street fighter six reveal yeah you know there was a lot to be desired 
well, because it gave up essentially yeah. nothing at the time and had a really kind of janky logo in tow, which yeah, you, know, you and I are both kind of, I mean, you're an actual graphic designer. I have yeah. an enormous appreciation for graphic design and commercial art. And the only thing I can think of though, is that like, mm-hmm. This latest spate of news regarding Street Fighter Six. Yes. Um, I have to say, I'm actually like genuinely excited by the appearance of this title now. Um, Same here. Like, I, and it's hard to put it's hard to put into words because like I'm still sort of processing it, but like I think the look of it is really, really fresh and interesting in yeah. a way that I absolutely did not expect. Um, I think it's really bringing some serious, like, new style to the table. Yes. Um, I think the the direction thus far, as far as the music, is also equally interesting. Like, it's almost it's almost reaching for more of that SF three thing where it's I, I totally kind of a lot, a lot jazzier and yeah. sort of rooted in like proper instrumentals rather than like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I will probably go to my grave thinking about the street fighter two soundtrack and it's themes that have just become like, these timeless pieces of game music, but at the same time, like you can only trot out or remix Rue's SF2 theme like so many times. Exactly. So um I you gotta really take appreciate, chances. Yeah, I mean, this feels like a brand new pinata they're asking us to take a swing at. And, and so thus far, yeah. like, you know apparently really really doing cross play this time we'll keep our fingers crossed <laughs> if that actually and, comes to be <laughs> yeah hopefully and uh now it's actually coming out on systems outside of playstation now it's coming for xbox which yes makes a lot of people happy including our buddy Optimus. Uh, it also makes me th- really happy just from the standpoint of like uh, if you want this game to be like a truly large phenomenon, like yeah. there's no way you can just have it as a system exclusive. Like no. Street Fighter is bigger than that. And if they really want to grow the player base for it, yeah, you know, that is absolutely necessary. You know, have it on Steam, have it on the Xbox consoles, have it on PlayStation. Um I think the more controversial aspect of that attempt to grow the bigger player base, um, mm-hmm. I forget what their phrase for it, but it's functionally like an easy slash auto combo mode. Uh, I don't know about the auto combo mode. I don't know much about that, but are you also yeah. talking about the modern mode where yes, you just press a mode. direction and a button? Mm-hmm. There, There is a sort of uh, equalizer so yeah. they're doing this to get 
the casual player more involved and liking the game more, you know, because it's not going to say it feels aimed right at the smash crowd. Well, that, and, uh, it kind of brings back the memories of the cap Capcom versus S and K to EO for GameCube, where you can mm-hmm. use that yellow analog stick to do special moves just by pulling a direction. But this time it's just one direction and a button, but mm-hmm. the, the equalizer is, for example, if you're going to do a fireball with this mode, you can only do one strength of a fireball. You can't do the jab, strong, or fierce versions. Yeah. You see what I mean? Interesting. So but that's how they're With that in mind, it. though, does that mean those people are going to be in the same pool? Hmm. That's like up to Capcom. Everybody else? Yeah. That's up to Capcom. I hope they have a good lobby system where it's like, okay, I don't want to deal with anyone that plays that style. Mm -hmm. I'll play with my casual buddy that's in my neighborhood that he can come to my house. I'll let him play that. But if I want like a ranked match, I definitely want to stick with the classic style. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure Capcom will have a solution. I'm pretty sure the ranked mode, they will probably have it so that They'll have a a mode where, okay, you, if you just want to play online, no rank, right. have at it. Play casual, mm-hmm. uh, play the modern mode or the uh, classic mode. But if you want to play ranked, definitely it's going to be classic only. Right. And then obviously in tournaments, live tournaments, they'll probably have it classic mode only. Yep. Make it a requirement. So I don't think that'll be too much of a problem. But... It's definitely good to have the classic, I mean, the, I'm not classic, the casual fan base more involved mm-hmm. because yeah. we talked about how Street Fighter V kind of pushed those people away, taking yeah. out a lot of the single player modes and making it so that it's only, hey, play online, be an esports champion type of right. vibe. It, it was really preaching to the converted. Exactly. Which it's interesting because, I mean, Capcom seems to. They seem to fluctuate on that pretty intensely, like from yeah. series to series. Um, well, but I would imagine that, like, that player base with SF5 mm-hmm. probably had to be a lot smaller than I'd think it was for SF4. I mean, I don't yeah. know what the data is to back that up, but mm. I remember all kinds of people running out to buy Street Fighter 4 when it dropped for both PS3 and 360. Yeah. And I hope that will come back for Street Fighter 6 because mm-hmm. look at all the modes they're adding. They're adding that world tour mode that looks pretty fun. Make your own yeah. fighter, it seems. I I saw a little bit of details, but I haven't gone to too much depth because I'm just waiting until things started to solidify the closer it gets to launch, but it looks real exciting. There's going to be a lot of single player content and there's definitely more accessibility. Like we've been talking about um, for casual players and for pro players and Mm -hmm. people in between. And there's going to be a lot to do online and offline. But um, yeah, I'm really excited because uh a good friend of mine works at Capcom and he's the localization director for this game. And he's a guy I met in 2008 
at a Street Fighter 4 location test uh, test in Osaka. Mm-hmm. So I that's when I first met him. Be, we became good friends, and he's worked hard. He's worked on quite a few Monster Hunter games. He he's worked on some Ace Attorney games, and now he's working on Street Fighter Six. He's really good at fighting games. He's very knowledgeable. He was yeah. a he was a tournament champion for Soul Calibur. He won a motorcycle, nice. by the way, because of uh, <laughs> winning a tournament for Soul Calibur. He's that good. But I'm glad he's on this project because he knows his stuff and he added a lot of input that I think is going to really push this game to new limits, to new heights. Nice. That's why even though we, you know, the initial release trailer, even though it was lackluster, I kind of said to myself, you know, my buddy's working on it, on it and I trust him. I, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure it's going to be good because not only that, uh ono who used to be the director of four and five Mm -hmm. uh some people liked him i didn't i felt like he was too much of a showsman and not enough of a person who was on the pulse of street fighter fanatics but no he definitely like yeah he was a persona and he was very good at drumming up a lot of attention for the projects he was working on yeah I just think there were moments where a lot of the things that he did or some of the choices that were made for those projects were more in the name of just sort of drumming, you know, beating the hype drum rather than like really thinking about how these fit into the scheme of Street Fighter overall and like what the game really is at the end of the day exactly what it means to us and what we really want out of street fighter and what Um, it should always have (laughs) what what it personifies definitely um yeah so the new director i believe his name is mr nakayama if i'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. um i'm not 100 sure uh but he's done was he the one that was involved in like this like final season season and a half of sf5 i believe so i believe he's still involved with street fighter 6 and okay. yeah i think with his vision and other like the new blood there's a lot of new blood for this street mm-hmm. fighter coming out yeah i think those uh ideas are really gonna revitalize this series because after four you know, Street Fighter Five was really polarizing. A lot of people did not like it because in the beginning, like we said, it had a rough start. It was also kind of slow, kind of too simple from what some people said until the last season when they made a lot of gameplay change- changes that made it more fun. Yeah. So um, that was thanks to, like I said, Mr. Nakayama, I believe. That's... Mm-hmm who spearheaded those changes. But yeah, I mean, just hearing all these new things about Street Fighter 6. Oh, my friend was telling me that he uh he was saying on Twitter that the best one like one of the features that's coming out is uh, the commentary. Did you catch a video of that where a person named uh, Vicious who whose real name is Jeremy Lopez, he's a fighting game commentator. Mm-hmm. He's been seen on some pro tour 
broadcast. Yeah, he's in there. And his commentary, you, you'll hear it in the game. And it's like actually watching a broadcast, but it's super smooth. And it gets people pretty excited, like watching nice. it or playing it. And it's brilliant, don't you think? Because if you get a commentator like Vicious, who is not as well known as James Chen or mm-hmm. other commentators out there, but you give this guy a chance and then people say, wow, this guy's really good. Where, where, do, where did he come from? And then you find out, oh, he's a commentator for the Pro Tour. Cool. I, I want to watch that. And then they watch the Pro Tour. People get excited because they're seeing people enjoy the game, playing it at high levels and getting more excited just to play. I think it's brilliant. It's much more brilliant than what they try to do with five. Yeah. When they try to just focus on esports, this mm-hmm. is the way you do it. Yeah. This is how you do it. This is how you bring esports to people, but not intrude to the point where you're trying to force it down their throats. You're yeah. making it so it's like, hey, we got this guy. He's good at commentary. Want to check out more? Check out our pro tour. And yeah. then, wow, check out this game and high level action. Does it want to make it excited for you to watch more and play more? Of course. Hmm. It's just possible. No, I mean, it's definitely an interesting aspect to it. And it's one that, like, I hadn't really given that particular thing a heck of a lot of thought. But, um, you know, that definitely bodes positively, I'd say. You know, like, I definitely, like, I do not envy Capcom in, you know, the task of trying to grow that player base but also like retain all of the ancient knuckleheads that love this series like it's definitely not an easy thing to do and yeah if anything like it's almost more complicated by the fact that like these games don't just all come to like a final version and then drop like you're basically talking about something that's going to have like you know, multiple years of commitment to a project and, you know, trying to take the pulse from players on something like this is absolutely not an easy thing. No, it's not. So, um, and like you said, especially when there's to... people like me that shit on uh, launch announcements. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that was something that, uh, they could have handled it a little bit better, but they recovered from it. And yeah. the fact they changed that logo, which looks really sweet, by the way, it's really brilliant. When I saw that logo in action, I was like, yeah, that's that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you changed it to that. Um, but yes, um, they th- it showed that they listen. Yeah, they're not just. Like how it was before, where I felt like when Ono was running the ship, people would say stuff and he would kind of like troll, kind of yeah. do it on purpose to get reactions from people and not do anything about it. But mm-hmm. I think now with this team, this new team, new blood, they listen. They want, yeah. they want to appease to everyone. And I think that's great. It's a tall task, but if anyone, can do it it's capcom yeah so i got high hopes and i'm looking forward to it next year yeah 
What else were you looking forward to from uh, the naughty three announcements? (laughs) Well, there's a couple. Uh, One is Stray. Did you see that game, by the way? I did not. Oh, Stray is basically a platformer with the main character as a cat. Hmm. And if you think about it, that's like a perfect mix. Yeah. It's like a 3D game. It's for PS4, mm-hmm. PS5, and PC. And you should definitely look it up. It's nice. uh, got a lot of cute cat mannerisms, but at the same time, it's a very challenging platformer. It yeah. looks exciting. Uh, the environments look great. And I can't wait to try it out somehow. I mean, definitely if it's PS4, I can play it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and the other one I'm excited about is Capcom Arcade Stadium, uh, second stadium, mm-hmm. which if you played the first arcade stadium, it had a lot of classic titles from Capcom, but there were some that were missing that I really love that's now on the second stadium. And I think you know that I'm a big fan of Black Tiger. Mm-hmm. That's on there. Nice. Magic Sword, finally on there after skipping a couple of systems not being on uh, any compilations. Uh, the last yeah. time was on the Xbox 360, I believe, and PlayStation 3. But yeah, it's on there. And Gunsmoke, all these cool games. Yeah, excited about that. Excellent. How about you? Um, uh, I'm going to be honest here. Like there's, there wasn't like any new street fighter news that I'm actually into kind of tends to blot out the sun entirely. So <laughs> like everything else is just like, like Elden ring. I picked up and I got it later, even though like, there was all this steam behind it and it was going to be this huge title. Um, so I'd imagine a lot of the other games that were announced are going to kind of fall into that category for me where it's like, I'll take a look at him. I'll see what it's like when it drops, you know, it's, uh, it's difficult to stay on top of that kind of thing, especially when you play like as much retro as I do. Like, yeah, I mean, you already got your library. You got your library. The only thing that will be kind of new is when they update with new libraries that are emulated. Yeah. And that's always exciting. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, I think you already have a solid library of titles that you can always go through. But for me, I I mean, (laughs) yeah. I don't have a mister, so I have to rely on compilations. So that's why I'm yeah. excited for Arcade's second stadium from Capcom and the fighting well, like, collection. You, I was going to say, you're getting that and the Capcom fighting collection in relatively short order, which almost seems slightly redundant, but, you know. It it kind of is, but I think if 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 uh, our listeners didn't know, uh, there are some uh, overlap with the games on Capcom Arcade's second stadium and the Capcom fighting collection coming out later this month, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, uh, the Capcom fighting collection has a uh, vampire, the vampire series, which has dark stalkers, vampire hunter, etc. about five games. I believe most of those games are in the second stadium as well, but the fighting collection, you can play online 
with other people and it has rollback. I think that's the major difference. And it has more fighting games like Cyberbots and Red Earth. And well, I think the Puzzle Fighter game and the uh, Pocket Fighter games are also on Second Stadium. So if you don't mind missing out on online play, you can get it on Second Stadium if you want. Or you could just get whatever games you want on Second Stadium separately. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a couple bucks each. I'm not sure, but yeah, that's always an option. You don't have to buy all the games. True. But Capcom Fighting Collection, you do have to buy all the games. <laughs> yeah. Because it's a collection. Yep. But yeah, nothing else? You're not excited by anything? I, well, I mean, in the, what seems to be like the last shoe to drop for Naughty 3, um, there's yeah. intense rumors now of a Nintendo Direct hitting on June 29th. That's right. Um, um, a person named Alana Pierce. Uh, she works at Sony now. She's a pretty prominent uh, figure in the video game world. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a... I don't know if it was on Twitch or whatnot, but she mentioned on a broadcast that, oh yeah, Nintendo's going to have a Nintendo Direct on June 29th. And then people were mm-hmm. asking her, how do you know this? Is this official? She's like, no, but I know. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so take her word for it, but it makes a lot of sense because yeah. uh, obviously with the not E3 year two, mm-hmm. we've had the scatterment of announcements and it usually takes a month to have those announcements come and go. And that would be the latter part of right. the announcements which would make pretty good sense it would kind of mm-hmm. be like make way for the king the king is here after all those announcements here comes the king i guess you know i have mixed feelings for nintendo though you know I well yeah them, i mean they we love them things. and we simultaneously loathe some of their practices like yeah. it's just capitalism baby yeah Yeah. i mean uh like they have been quiet as of late and now there's a lot of people sort of wondering well what does that second half of the year really look like from nintendo you know obviously people are chomping at the bit to get anything they can about breath of the wild 2 or metroid prime 4 um any you know, other surprises? We're just, we're just wondering what we might actually hear about. Um, I don't like to spend a lot of time doing that sort of thing because, like, I used to spend a lot of time doing that sort of thing. Yeah. And I typically find that, like, you know, it's just kind of a giant recipe for disappointment if you're looking too hard for them to drop an announcement about something you're into so it's an exercise you know. of futility i agree yeah maybe we'll get wanna... some three news yeah who knows <laughs> you can still play that bingo game you know the one that people always talk about online hey bring out your bingo game card what's nintendo gonna talk about or not gonna talk about most right. people play the not gonna talk about card uh, they're easily not going to talk about F-Zero. They're not going to talk about Metroid Prime 4. 
Definitely not. Mother three. Oh yeah, that's guaranteed. Yeah. Oh god, it hurts. You know, like I mean, Metroid Prime Four has to come out at some point. You would like think. they did actually announce it. Like yeah. how long? It's ago? not a really long time ago now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was oh like god. early 2018. I would say so. Four they dropped years. that four years. Yeah. God, I mean, it's it's sp- been a long time. I mean. I really hope that at least there's just like if you're not going to actually give us an update on Metroid Prime 4 like just drop the damn trilogy already you know Yeah, I want to play that. I never got a chance to. It would it, it would fatten up the fall schedule in a lovely way. It would be a nice bone to throw to all the people that went out and bought Metroid Dread like Yeah. You know, just Keep the just hype do going. that. Yeah. Because, as we noticed, uh, Sony and Microsoft, they did not have any first party or considered first party now that Microsoft swallowed Bethesda and uh, Activision Blizzard. Nothing's Mm -hmm. really coming out this year. They're all slated for next year. So Nintendo, besides Splatoon 3, which I'm excited for, that comes out in September. Is there Mm -hmm. anything else to kind of clean our played off for uh 2022 when it's all said and done we'll find out hopefully soon yeah but yeah i i have no predictions i'm just coming in thinking yeah i just would like to hear at least one surprise that a game that i didn't know was you know ever existed is coming out soon that's right something i like about nintendo they always have that knack for bringing out something that it's cool to hear. I want to buy it. Oh yeah, it comes out this month. Oh wow, that's awesome. Or it comes out today. Cool. Yeah. I like I don't know what sort of cuz obviously these are all gigantic companies with boatloads of marketing and research people and they've all got their own means, but Nintendo by way of these directs, they seem to have an uncanny knack for recognizing where their audience might be emotionally and then delivering something that is going to make them excited again. Yeah. You know, in a way that I would argue the other console manufacturers kind of don't at the moment, but that's also a hella subjective thing to say. Yeah, I guess so. But well, I mean, that's why they're last. They always seem to have that magic. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that they're they're up last because we kind of need it. We kind of do. Yeah. I feel like this is kind of the brunt of what happened with COVID. So yep. stuff that was slated to come out this year, that would probably be the time when COVID started to happen and started to, to affect uh, development. Uh, yeah, it's like it when is. it was really wreaking havoc on the development cycle in like the worst possible way because anything that was like really far along was still going to come out and most of those games did and through like 2021, but right now when you think about like that two and a half, three year time period where you're really sort of laying down the concrete for a game, like yeah. that's why things are 
in a very strange place at the moment as far as releases. So that that's the only way I can explain that yeah. kind of lull that we're having in 2022. Mm-hmm. But hopefully things will pick up next year. Hopefully in a big way. Yep. Because we need it bad. Definitely. All right. Um. Finally, why don't we talk about before we talk about what we're playing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's something that or I'm not playing anymore. Yeah. And I'm sad to say this. I'm but not James, playing it do you, either. <laughs> do, do, do you agree with me? Um, I'm sorry to say, but for anyone that's heard me talk about Pac-Man Museum Plus, I have it on Switch. Oh, man. They did not do a good job on this. They did not. No. It this game. lacks a great many things. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know, like it's very it's very strangely a throwback title. It was interesting to me that you shared that link in which the team that worked on this apparently also worked on some of the very first couple of Namco Museum titles for the PlayStation. Yeah. Um and it it's weird that it mirrors a lot of those things in that like the sort of strange like in-game animal crossing like thing where you like fill this room with different little bits of Namco memorabilia and there are arcade cabinets. It's like a little 3d virtual room. Like, yeah, that's a very weirdly like throwback kind of idea. And it's almost predicated on the idea that like, well, we're going to put five, like, when you're thinking about like the original Namco museum games for PlayStation, it's like, well, we're going to have five of these old ass games. So there needs to be something like 3d in nature that still reminds you like, Oh, you're still on this powerful PlayStation hardware. And so the reliance on that interface for entertainment value, don't get me wrong. I love a virtual Gashapon machine as much as the next person <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, Shenmue. Know, Shenmue. <laughs> the fact that like all that effort was put into that stuff and then you know the game doesn't even save local high scores like it's not that's weird like that's a yeah. genuinely weird choice yeah. in 2022 and it's got virtually no visualization options. I mean, all you can do is turn on ACRT mode, either on or off, to give you sort of a rough scanline effect. And that's even a huge um, backpedal from the previous Namco Museum that was on Nintendo Switch, which and allowed that- you to dial in the visualization options like really, really well. Much better done, uh, better, uh, how should I say, implemented. And also, they added the Tate mode where you can play vertically. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these old Pac-Man games had a vertical screen instead of horizontal. Right. So So to not be able to play Pac-Man arrangement in Tate mode. It hurts. Oh, that's janky. Because that is such a beautiful game like it's got really beautiful sprite work and animation and yeah you know the mazes are fantastic and creative and 
Oh, it's a drag, man. It, it's such <laughs> missed opportunity. And people who are lucky to have a flip grip or whatnot or able to turn their TV on its end or uh, if you're like me, I have my own Nintendo Switch uh, stand for the uh, handheld, you know, the tablet part. Mm -hmm. Just put it on vertically. That could have been that could have been it. That could have been awesome. But they decided yeah. not to do it. And Namco Museum has it. I, it's obvious that they're not the same team. Right. So don't know what happened there. But the most disappointing mm-hmm. is the fact there is input lag. Yeah. And for a game like Pac-Man, you need that control. Yeah. If you're missing turns, it's not Pac-Man. It's just frustration. Right. And at this point of my life right now, I'm kind of in a a lot of stressful moments. And I don't, the last thing I want to do is play a Pac-Man game where I'm missing my turns and it's getting frustrating. I'd rather play Pac-Man 99. Right. At least with that, if the connection is good, I could do all my turns, no problem. Yeah. But with this frustrating it's either uh some games it's lagging in other games it's like either you turn too early or you try to turn like pac-man championship edition mm-hmm. you would start to make a turn and then suddenly it would let up and just go straight again and that's so Weird. frustrating because that game goes real fast over time yep yeah so it made me just put it away i'm just hoping they patch it i hope they yeah. do a lot of people online They've been pestering Bandai Namco, emailing them, like flooding their posts on Twitter anytime they mention Pac-Man. Hey, you're going to fix Pac-Man Museum Plus? (laughs) It's on Reddit. Yeah. Oh, man. Just do something, man, because this is frustrating. I want it to be good, but it's not good at all. They got to fix it. At least the controls fix it. Because if anything, that should have passed QA. If, yeah. If you don't have control, don't let it pass QA. And it obviously didn't. Why'd you bring it out? It's the problems on Xbox and on Switch. I don't know about PS, PS4. Right. But definitely on Switch, definitely on Xbox. That's so a bummer, man. Yeah. I'm equally bummed by that because I really, really love me some Pac-Man arrangement. And... You know, I was I was hoping for what would be probably like the best version of that going, but alas, that will not be the case. Yeah. No, no flip grip love for me. <sighs> now, now I see what you mean. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's hard to trust these companies. You want to support them, yeah. But sometimes they kind of half-ass it, yeah. And they do stuff like this, and it makes you wonder. Maybe I should get a Mister. <laughs> well, it just makes me think like, you know, the emphasis was just in such a weird place with this game. Like, yeah. Um if you talked to most retro most of the audience for this game, pretty much all of them, I can guarantee you would have said, "Oh no, I don't need the virtual museum mode thing to walk through like make the titles better." Make the visualization options better. Exactly. That should be the focus. Min- right. And please minimize input lag, you know, to the degree that 
you know, like the folks at M2 do when they put together these shot triggers series, you know, like, please take, take that seriously. Yeah. Priorities are whack. I don't know what that outside source company was thinking, but. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, like they're doing Bandai Namco's bidding. So yeah, if the producer Bandai Namco didn't come to that with like, a really clear vision for how that title should be and what the priority should be with emulating those old titles. There's not much else you can do. Yeah. They should have had M2 do it. Yarp. Anyways. Just all right. M2 to do everything else. Yeah. They should be the one and only stop. (laughs) Yeah. I should know because I also have that Taito Egret 2 mini. Mm -hmm. That could have been better done emulation wise. Right, but and that was not M2 either. Nope. That's another different story that maybe I'll tell someday. But, but you know what, man? I think we've kvetched a lot about this. Yes. And now we should talk about the thing that's making us very happy this week. Yes, sir. Yep. Let's, let's go to now playing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, as we alluded to earlier, uh, what dropped recently was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge both of us have it what do you think James so I've been playing side-scrolling beat-em-ups pretty much since the dawn of the genre I mean I can remember Double Dragon was like the first game that I dumped like $10 worth of quarters into just to get all the way to the end same um, here. <laughs> and, Good times. You know, there would be a variety of games like that that I would come to adore. Um, interestingly enough, like the the beat 'em up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games, particularly the arcade ones, like Konami was fairly transparent in their approach with those games because those games were definitely not meant to be beaten on one quarter. Mm-hmm. Like you look at the arcade Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or the Simpsons or X-Men. Those games were abusive. <laughs> like they were really, really rough. Like, you know, it didn't matter how well you understood the enemy patterns. Um, you had like a very limited number of attacks and you were just going to have to dump a lot of change in it to see, to get all the way through. Um, yep. Now with the ports of those games, uh, particularly uh, Turtles in Time for Super NES and the Hyperstone Heist for Genesis slash Mega Drive, um, those games were definitely tuned for a console experience. Um, definitely improved. Um, as far as balance. Um, but again, like it's been a really long time since there was a game, since there was a side scrolling beat em up from that license. Um, so here we are now in 2022. We have this new game with Shredder's Revenge. And it's obvious that, like, in this title, they took a boatload of lessons from what they did with Streets of Rage 4. We're talking about Datemu. Yep. Well, and the newcomer, different different games. development teams. Yeah. Yeah. Tribute games. Um, yeah. But um, 
it feels incredibly good. Um, you know, the combo system is like super generous. Um, and that's, that's fun. That's fine. Like it makes it really, really accessible. Yeah. Um, but like, you've got much more of like a functioning sort of move list, definitely more than like the original Konami beat em ups ever did. Oh um, man. The options are quite plentiful. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's fantastic to have a playable April splinter and Casey Jones. Like those were things that fans had sort of dreamed of for a really, really long time. And you know, yeah. those characters are exceedingly well realized. Like beautiful you know, dot pixel graphics. Yeah. I mean, if you're a fan of 2D art in video games whatsoever, like you will have an enormous smile on your play- face after playing Shredder's Revenge. Like it's just it's dazzling for anybody that still loves sprite art. Not only um, that, these guys are huge fighting game fans. Have you seen mm-hmm. all the little flourishes they've done to the characters that kind of took a homage to a lot of fighting game moves that are popular? Like April Neal has the rising kicks that Chun Li has. Yeah, she straight up got the ten show kick. I mean, it's amazing. And, and like... the and Cotton's <laughs> rushing punches. Mm-hmm. April has that as well. Um, yep. Michelangelo has a sumo headbutt from E Honda. Mm-hmm. And. I think uh, Genjiro and uh, I think it's uh, Casey Jones. They have the same mm-hmm. kind of like upper uh, uppercut attack. Like mm-hmm. the motions reflect the characters so well. It's like, wow, it's just amazing how they put all that. And they even have a uh, Rainbow Mika's uh, butt splash. Mm-hmm. I forget who does it, but the butt splash is definitely in there. Yep. So. There's a lot of cool things to see in that game and a lot of homages to the cartoon as well. If you're a big fan of the cartoon, you're going to see a lot of characters that you have not seen in a long time, but they were in the cartoons or they were even like figures at one time, you know, the the oodles of figures that Playmates came out with for Team NT. Yeah. Yeah. They're in the game, either in the background or as bosses. Mm -hmm. It's cool. Yeah. So no, I mean, in looking at it thus far, and obviously I've only been playing it for like a day and a half, but um, it's really difficult to see like what, if anything, this title might be missing. Oh yeah, I (laughs) I I think uh, I don't think anything's missing. I I'm I'm being really honest. I I uh, our our good buddy Hoptimus, he shared a video with us uh, on our discord channel for ruminations radio network um mm-hmm. it was by the electric playground and it was about uh shredder's revenge uh, somebody played it and he was saying you know what it's okay but there's a lot of things that it doesn't do that turtles in time did better like this that like you do an attack um you have a lot of uh I guess you leave yourself wide open if you do these heavy attacks, things like that. The throws don't, they're not as good as Turtles in Time, things like that. And I don't know if you want to compare this game to Turtles in Time because yes, they are inspired by the Konami 
games, but Konami did not make this game. It was Tribute Games. Right. And with the help of Dademu. Um, mm-hmm. So that's their vision. But yeah, what I saw from what I played, what mm-hmm. I found was really interesting. Uh, I played arcade mode first, the first time I played it. And I thought, oh, that's yeah. cool. You know, it's, it's fun. But then mm-hmm. I started playing story mode yesterday. Yeah. And story mode, you have like a world map or, you know, just a stage map where you can go mm-hmm. from point A to point B and you play different stages. I Which it also feels like a giant nod to the yeah the NES game, right? Exactly. The overhead map, which is yeah. cool. I love it. Mm-hmm. So anyways, uh, they have the achievements for each stage. And then two of the achievements out of the three I saw from the first stage. Yeah, you know, it's like the standard fare. Oh, uh, do a combo finisher on 10 enemies. And then the second one was throw four enemies into into the screen or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But the third one, which is a special one, it says beat the stage without being harmed. And I was like, wow. what? You're saying don't get hit at all? Not even a single touch? Right. I was like, how is that possible? But then when I thought about it and hearing the guy from Electric Playground talk about this game, I started to realize, okay, that's probably more of the focus of this game. Mm-hmm. This game, you don't have to be, but if you want to be, if you want to be a master, if you want to be the complete badass, yeah, you're going to use your arsenal to get through each stage without getting hit. And it's possible because right. although some of the moves that you're used to in Turtles in Time and whatnot, they now lag because obviously they're heavy hits or... Uh, the the guy also said like oh throws once you grab someone it's hard to get out of it like and someone will just come up and hit you no the one thing that's gonna two things that are gonna help you the dodge button which is the roll button and your super meter right. so the super meter builds up quick so you're gonna use that kind of like in Streets of Rage 4 where it's like Streets of Rage 4 they gave you a lot of chances to build up that meter to just use your your uh, special attacks and then gain your energy back or whatnot, right? I, I believe that's right. what happened, right? Uh, tr- uh, Shredder's Revenge is kind of similar in that you build up meter quickly by taunting or just attacking, and soon uh, before you know it, you already have a, a bar stocked. So you use that as your get off move. People are surrounding you. That's one way of getting out uh, without getting hurt. The other is the roll button. Because the roll right. button, yes, the guy from Electric Playground saying like your heavy attacks are going to lag, but so do the enemy's attacks. If they try to attack you and you roll behind them and you attack them, you have full advantage. And then you yeah. can do whatever finisher you want as long as nobody's behind you. And not only that, when you grab someone, if you hit the roll button, you can break out of the grab. So if you accidentally stick on someone, just hit the roll button. Right. So this is like, I think uh, one of the designers called it like Shredder's Revenge is we meant to make it more like a dance where it's yeah. like, hey, you know the moves. Now, do you know when to do the moves, when when to right. do them at the right time? That's mm-hmm. what we want you to do. So you can button mash and have fun. Yeah. But if you want to be the master, you yeah. got to learn how to dance. And then... Well, that's... It's funny because 
we were just talking about like you know modern mode and what they're attempting to do with sf6 yeah and i think it's really kind of the same thing with this game where it's like okay you have this huge license you have this huge pool of awareness out there for this franchise Mm -hmm. and so when you're building a game like i don't think the intent was really like oh we're gonna make this just like streets of rage 4 you know it's definitely calculated to be more accessible overall just given what the audience is for it but yeah at the same time like you're pointing out you know if you want to take it that step further if you are the kind of person that you know is somebody that does speed runs or goes for like a one cc clear um you can do that yeah um and i think like i wish more developers thought that way you know because um i the thing is i love these forms of gameplay i love side scrolling beat em ups I love one-on-one fighters and sometimes it's like, well, you know, I would love that player pool to grow a little bit bigger. So, you know, these, these kinds of genres of games endure. So I can appreciate what they did here. And, you know, like I definitely, I wouldn't put it above streets of rage four yet because to me, no, it's not, it's not above streets of rage four. That's a deeper. No, It is a deeper game. Um, but I also don't think that that's really what they were aiming for. No. You know what I mean? Like, no. they, mm. the original games were such, like, they were really, like, exceedingly simple. Like, as, as an example of this, like, way back when, when my good friend Dave had his super gun mm-hmm. and, like, maybe every month we would hit up golf and stuff and ask the op, the arcade operator there, like, did he have any spare PCBs he wanted to get rid of? Yeah. And at one point we actually owned the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles original arcade game. Yeah. And man, that game was just a simple quarter eaten bitch. Like it's not terribly deep by any means whatsoever it's got an ocean of charm like love the sprite work love the music but it was not a deep game whatsoever and so if you consider those humble roots like they really took this game like a long long way and sure i don't think it is as technically interesting or as tightly constructed as something like streets of rage four, which again, that game, that game is more consistent with its pedigree. You know what I mean? Like all the streets of rage games had really interesting mechanics and two was much more complex than the first three got really weirdly complex, like almost to a fault um it did yeah you know with the dash runs and the like tumble forward like into the 3d plane um like they were almost trying to do too much with that game and so i think four like obliterated most of our expectations because i don't think any of us really ever expected that we'd get 
a genuinely great Streets of Rage game in what was it 2020. Yeah. But um, you know, I still have I have a lot of respect for this Turtles game. I mean, I can see how some people are just like, well, you know, 16 stages is a lot for a side-scrolling beat 'em up, and I definitely yeah. get that. Yeah. Um, you know, I definitely come from the school of like. I would rather have like a 10 to 12 hour game. That's absolutely fantastic. than like a 20 hour game that got padded out at some point in its development cycle. Like we have this discussion about Zelda games all the time, right? We do like, especially pre all, especially a lot of the 3d games pre breath of the wild. Like there always seemed to be some sort of like, series of fetch quests or like when you're going around in the boat in um wind waker trying to yeah, get all the treasure pieces <laughs> artificially extending the gameplay by making you do mundane tasks that maybe don't really have any bearing towards the bottom line of what right. you're trying to do for your quest yeah. your main quest i agree but at the same time i can also see why they may have cranked out so many stages because like that set of turtle game turtle games from way back yeah. had like very different themes and very different sets of levels in them. Mm-hmm. And so there might've been some pressure internally where we're like, well, if we do it and it's just like, you know, environments in Manhattan and then, you know, the terror drome, well, then fans of turtles and times are going to be like, well, there wasn't any like weird retro, or like dinosaurs or anything strange like that. You know what I mean? Like I can imagine the sheer number of levels in this game is just like a desire to not disappoint the audience. But I think that's why people, if they want to play this game, especially single player, Mm -hmm. play it in story mode. Right. Cause you get one stage at a time. You could pause it, put it away. Just go back to it. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think mean, it's definitely more in, for, yeah. yeah, I think it's more in tune with the way people play those games now. And you know, I could also see at some point, much as they did with the brilliant um survival mode that yeah. came out with Streets of Rage Forest DLC, you know, maybe still, there'll be some great. version. Yeah. I mean maybe there'll be some mm. iteration of that that comes to Shredder's Revenge that's more of like a really focused or intense, like 35 to 40 minute challenge or something like that. Who knows? I agree. Um, That's why I'm saying, you know, a lot of people like this game, but Mm -hmm. see if they patch it and see if they make any changes to the gameplay to make it even better. Because I think we all know that I changed my tune when streets of fire, the Streets of Rage 4 initially came out. I wasn't really into it. But then when the update dropped and they fixed a lot of things and made it even more fun, that's when I was yeah. totally on board. And yeah. I think that would be the same with Shredder's Revenge. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the gameplay right now is fine. But yeah. they could always add more to it to make it even more fun. Make right. things even more satisfying. Mm-hmm. Make it so that throws really are more versatile than combo enders that you only can do when 
you're not around other people because for yeah, sure when you're doing throws you are going to get hit if you don't space yourself right but i think that's what the focus was in this game compared to streets of rage 4 it's crowd control yeah it, much more so than streets of rage 4 where streets of rage 4 was more combo based and that's how you maintain uh your bonuses to get what extra stars and whatnot mm-hmm. so that you can have a better chance of survival uh ninja turtles shredder's revenge the combo there's a combo meter but it doesn't really do you much good like you get a thousand hits it doesn't really do anything for you nope but it's just for bu- fun yeah but building your meter definitely is fun yeah and that comes with attacks and taunts and just some added hype <laughs> and i feel like rick flair in that game man because i'm always styling and profiling you know trying to find ways to make stylish combos and then taunt afterwards to build my meter and just especially when they're kind of focusing on hey try to do this stage without getting hit that that's yeah. that's my style baby this <laughs> is how you live i i i want to i want to take up that challenge yep that's what i think but but that's also i mean that's a very old conceit for you is like yeah you may not play that many games but the ones that you genuinely love you will play the shit out of and you'll also find like really weird torturous ways to play those games like you know <laughs> fucking Zelda sword free run yes yes i got to do that for 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 uh my switch now i mm-hmm. i need to get a more current version of that i don't yep. have my old cart anymore so i got to do it again i'm going to mm. suffer again when i have time but that's so fun. There it is. I'm a masochist. I pronounced it right. I'm a masochist. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I did. I actually said a word right for once. All right. With that being said, let's uh, take a small break. You're going to hear from a host from one of the shows on Ruminations Radio Network. If you're interested, please visit RuminationsRadioNetwork.com to find out more about the show. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Charlie, Triple C, from Brevity Box, a new and interesting podcast from the Ruminations Radio Network. If you're a fan of podcasts, we have a lot of great content to offer. Come check out our diverse group of podcasts and hosts at ruminationsradionetwork.com. All right, we are back. So, all right. um, Now it's time for the big question. And to set this up, um, we were talking about TMNT, Shredder's Revenge, a great deal. And we were saying how the old arcade games, we had a lot of fond memories with co-op. Mm-hmm. It's like probably one of the most classic co- uh, co-op games you could find back yeah. in the 80s and 90s. And playing with a buddy or three more buddies, that was always mm-hmm. fun and interesting. and. It or brought three another... filthy strangers for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Filthy strangers. <laughs> three filthy, four filthy strangers huddled around a single cabinet like TMNT or Gauntlet. It's always a great, mm-hmm. great time to be had. Yeah. So that brought up this question that I thought about, or we thought about, sorry. Um, what's your favorite in person co op game of all time and why? James, let's start with you. You know, 
it's that's a difficult one um, because there's a lot of contenders for that particular prize. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially if we're talking like I know we sort of delineated between in person versus online because I think online just kind of opens that question up in a funny way and like you know all yeah. of my best all of my best like co-op experiences were always like things in person um but i got to say next to you in an arcade or in your yeah. living room most yeah. definitely um shit and a lot of things are competitive nowadays but it's always yeah. nice to have co-op work together be together. I don't know. Like be buddies. I'm really torn between Saturn Bomberman <laughs> because, and I know that's more of a versus thing, but that's at the same time, say. like that cooperative experience. I know, I know. It's it's not really. That's kind of a different animal, but to me, there was no more intense experience than playing NBA jam with a friend against two filthy strangers. <laughs> Even that sort of breaks the rule because it is yeah. technically co-op, but it's also versus. Um, but it still counts. Yeah. I mean, you I gotta mean, work with a friend. You've got to work with a friend and like, Man, like when that game feels good and you're kicking someone's ass, it's like top of the world. And then when it starts to go sideways, <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> tell, tell us a few stories about NBA Jam. I think you have one. Well, the story that I really remember, um, there was an NBA Jam, ca- jam cabinet that was at this 7-Eleven that's like, kind of right in the heart of campus and university of Arizona U of A. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I can remember a friend of mine that I also played a lot of street fighter with, like we both worked at this video game store that had an NBA jam cabinet that we got to play for free after like the store closed or whatever. Like we'd sometimes just hang out in there and play the shit out of it. So we thought we were pretty good. Um, and on the night in question, like there was another friend of mine that showed up and like me and this super close friend of mine were just like, we were on a tear and things were rolling along really well. And this other friend of mine showed up and it was awkward because like, there wasn't a fourth to like round that out. And so we were sitting there for a while. And then like this dude <laughs> showed up <laughs> who was just like, you know, and at the time we're like, you know, we're like 19 to 22 ish. Um, but this really old dude showed up and he wanted to play and like, I'm thinking in my head, like, all right, this is either going to be like completely ridiculous and like a blowout. Like this guy's not going to not know what he's doing or 
he's going to be fucking incredible. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and so it actually wound up being this unbelievably close match. And the thing was like, this guy felt compelled to repeat whatever the announcer said, you know, much respect, Mark Termell. Um, <laughs> he, he would, except like, he would just get it like an inch from the plexi on the cabinet and just scream it right afterwards. And like, I don't know if he was on drugs. Um, he didn't smell like booze or anything, but like for whatever reason, he was at a seven 11 playing NBA jam at two o'clock in the morning. And like, yeah. I don't think any of us had like a really good excuse for being there, but, <laughs> um, I don't know. Like I had so many different weird and bizarre and interesting and exciting experiences playing NBA jam, like at different cabinets. It was like every cabinet, depending where it was, had like different people that would show up, um, and that was actually one of the times where um, our good friend Sebastian, like, I sort of realized what, like, a savage son of a bitch he was. Um, because he would show up with this dude, Sean. Yeah. And, like, those guys were ridiculously good at yep. NBA Jam. Yeah. And, like, any notions I had about me and my bestie, like, being top of the heap. Yeah. quickly dispelled <laughs> sebastian we know gifted mm -hmm. but yes. sean he was savage yeah definitely savage. and so the two of them together playing yeah. a sports game forget about it man yeah <laughs> definitely um mm -hmm. was this the guy the older gentleman the guy that did the boom right in front yes. of the street yes. okay uh -huh. that's what yeah. i was hoping you'd talk about because yep. i love that story he'd uh -huh. get up one inch from the plexiglass and yeah. every time he dunked it he'd, he'd say, or or he would just mimic whatever termel said yeah so it's boom shakalaka or can't buy a bucket wait that or, that wasn't mark termel he was a, a programmer uh you're talking about tim kitzrow yes it is tim kitzrow damn it that's right yeah. mark termel was the devel developer yeah. Ed yeah. Farius might be somewhere screaming at me because I know he knows <laughs> Tim Kidthrow and he's as yeah. much of a NBA jam trivia junkie as I am. So yeah. apologies for mangling that. But, but that's, so a great, that's a great game. That's a great <laughs> Thank game. Thank you. Um my game is also an arcade co op versus game. Mm -hmm. And it is Cyberball. Nice. Um, if you remember Aaron's family billiards, which was a crap hole, uh, <laughs> billiards place that had arcade games because the owner used to have uh, a full arcade. But I guess from what I understand, the city told him, hey, you can't have this place with smoking because it's an arcade. You can't have smoking in an arcade. And he said, well, why don't I move to another place and have billiard tables? Can they smoke right. there and have games? Yeah, sure, you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, 
what used to be space shuttle became Aaron's family billiards at a nearby location. Um, yeah, that was the place where we played cyberball. Um, our good friend, Sebastian, he was my partner and Sean paired up with another good friend of ours called Frank. And these two were killers at this game. And I remember they played that game a lot before I joined. And then they said, Hey, Ed, do you want to join? You could be Sebastian's partner. And I was, I was like, well, I like, I like football games, but I've never played this game before. I only watched you guys play it for like a couple months. And they're like, eh, just give it a try. You know, we'll play it every week. See what happens. Was this like garden variety cyberball or like cyberball 2072? The preferred game was the original cyberball because really? had uh it just had Did better gameplay. break it with 2072 yeah it felt a lot more limited from what i understand even though they had more mm. options it didn't feel as fun as the original cyberball that's why we stuck with original cyberball and that was the only version anyway at Aaron's okay. family billiards uh the yeah. new one was that golf and stuff but anyways i was like Oh my god, what are we what am I gonna do? I I I don't these guys know how to play and I'm right just barely learning stuff. And I remember you were, you were afraid of looking like a chump. I did look like I was a chump for like a chump, hey. But <laughs> you know, as time passed, about four months, yeah. mm-hmm. our games started getting closer because Sebastian was a really good teacher. He taught me things like, hey. The defense, the computer always moves like this. Like he would show me the linebackers. They would just move diagonally back and forth, back and forth. But then if you want to make a play on the ball, like if they run it or if they throw it and then you see that they're going to commit, then you run towards the ball and then turbo boost and then tackle them immediately or intercept. So they taught me little tricks. Um, I wasn't good enough to play quarterback. Sebastian was always quarterback, but I was pretty good as running back and wide receiver. And I was pretty good at defense. I was really good at tricking people uh, over time. So I remember six months after we started playing, we actually won. And Frank and, and Sean were so pissed (laughs) because they didn't think that day would come where we would actually win, but we did. Mm-hmm. And then that opened the floodgates and then it started becoming a very back and forth ordeal where sometimes we would re- win a streak of games. Sometimes they would win a streak of games. Mm-hmm. But this became a beautiful weekly type of, uh, how should I say it, ritual. You yeah. would go to the counter, buy a large Coke, go to the Cyberball machine play a couple games, have bragging rights for the weekend, and repeat until we couldn't do it anymore. I think uh, when they finally got rid of the game, that's when we stopped playing, which was over a year later. But man, those were such fun times. It it was a huge bonding experience with both uh, Frank and Sean, which I didn't know too, too. I didn't know these gentlemen too, too well until I played that game with them. And then Sebastian, of course, I knew him fairly well and that strengthened our friendship even more yeah 
So I owe it to Cyberball to just in general, like my friendship with those guys. And it strengthened my love for football games, especially video game football games. And that that title really kind of feels like essentially a lost game now because yeah there was never like a really great port for it um it's never really been like a priority title to be re-released on like retro compilations like yeah the original was on genesis right it got ported to genesis but it's it's not a great port and if i recall correctly there were Originally, it was supposed to put, to support the uh, Telegenesis modem, mm-hmm. and then like it wound up just coming out. And I think like there was legacy code in it. It would actually work with the Japanese version of the modem or something of that effect. But like that modem never came out in the states anyway, so yeah, it didn't really matter. But like again, like the way that that cabinet was configured you know, with the two monitors pointed in different directions. Like that was a really unique, like hands-on experience that I don't think ever really got duplicated. Uh, Atari had this knack for just making cabinets and experiences in the arcades that were really hard to follow up. Mm -hmm. So if you're ever interested in arcade classic gaming, yeah. Always look up Atari. They were yeah. one of the best. Yep. And Cyberball is no stranger. Yeah. I mean, I think of Cyberball, I think of a lot of their games that used to use that old analog yoke, like Star Wars or Road Blasters. Also think of Paperboy with the handlebars. Yeah, Paperboy like, was amazing. One I mean, that favorites. game had like a shocking amount of like precise analog control possible. Yep. Because of the way the handlebars worked, because of the way like the speed aspect of it worked, like there was a lot going on with those games and like they've never really thrived as, you know, grist for those retro compilations because the cabinets really had like a lot of thought put into them. It's yeah. kind of a shame. It's stuff you can't really emulate on the home nope. consoles even now because Yeah. How are you going to get a paperboy yoke? How are right. you going to get a stun gunner, a stun runner yoke? Or yeah, how are you going to emulate Cyberball? Yeah, it's just nope. Those experiences are kind of lost to time. So, but if you have a chance to play it, like at a classic arcade, definitely yeah. jump on those chances because you never know how long, how much longer they'll be there. Or yeah, or if you go to you a convention or something to that effect, like. Definitely look, seek those games out and you'll sort of realize that like they were really built for like one thing. And that was like providing a really interesting and unique experience in an arcade. And a lot of, a lot of geniuses that were yep. at Atari. For sure. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> so that's the end of our podcast. Uh, yeah. If you liked our show, please do follow up on us. Uh, we're on Twitter. Twitter and Instagram. Oh God, yep. it HZ. Uh, we got a lot more shows of uh, through the Ruminations Radio Network that we're a part of. So mm-hmm. we're just a small part. Uh, there's a lot of other great hosts out there on our network. Uh, do check them out at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. There's a lot of stuff that you can peruse and 
I think a lot of things that'll tickle your fancy. And uh, is there any uh, any way we can get a hold of you, Mister Six Button Samurai, on the interwebs? Sure. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Super Barrio Cart. Um, nice. And uh, Twitter, yeah, man. <laughs> oh gosh, I I have not like this new job that I started is like heavily social media ish. So yeah. that has sort of resulted in a slight decline in my own being on social media, but you can also find me on, on Twitter at six B samurai. Nice. Yep. Yeah. And for me, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at game agent ET. All right. Thanks Get for it. joining us. Thanks for joining your favorite podcast. <laughs> your most favorite podcast on your most favorite net- network, radio network, the Ruben Nations radio network. Until next time, this is ET and the 6B signing off. See you later. Bye, everybody. Bye.